you give everyone an Ann Arbor ice cream and the editor of the Ann Arbor News would still hate you. <laughs> and all the people that sent me emails would be angry with you and call you bad names. I do want to thank you for your work. It's time to go. Kristen, thank you very much. Our engineer today was Kristen Summerall. Thank you. Thank you. Ali? No takeaway, Asin. Box, a box of chocolates Would I know To stay away What's that Hand off his box A box of chocolates Would I eat Them anyway Cause Every time I have Half a mind to leave you Babe That means I have Half a mind to stay it's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Good evening. This is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox, for those who might not be aware, is a show about food and culture. And waiter, there's culture in my food. And today we're going to talk about food in a number of ways, and including the, the dangers and the perils of popcorn and the beauty of borscht and so many, many other things. But first of all, I should just mention that I'm confused because I just got back from Omaha. My parents live there. I just came back from vacation. I literally just got off the plane and ran here as fast as I could, so I'm kind of babbling a little bit. But in Omaha, no, actually in Lincoln, Nebraska, I saw a 640-pound cheese sculpture. And that's something I, I thought that people ought to know about, a 640-pound cheese sculpture. And this sculpture included depictions of, would you believe, cows and silos and trees and neat stuff like that. So that was all in that sculpture is at the Nebraska State Fair. And, you know, there's a lot of culture out of Nebraska. That's not necessarily it, but we can talk about that in a minute. Um, in the meantime, I do want to mention, just because I can, that I went. I stayed at a Days Inn in St. Joseph, Missouri, which had the uh, Pony Express Museum, where the Pony Express actually began. And they had pamphlets and things in the Days Inn. This this sort of doesn't really have anything to do with food, but... Um, Okay, so they, they had different pamphlets you can choose from. One of them said, Greetings, Traveler. Because this motel is a service organization designed to serve people and not solely a money-making institution, our concern for you does not cease with our duties to provide you with lodging. Hmm. It is our sincere prayer that the Lord will grant you peace and rest while under our roof. And it goes on from there. May God bless you abundantly, your hosts at Days Inn. It was that, or there's another pamphlet for Showtime, which had uh, weeds and Californication, and images of Mary Louise Parker and David Duchovny uh, depicted as Adam and Eve, wearing nothing but a snake and uh, holding an apple that was bitten. So th those were the choices between... Uh, uh, good and bad and evil that I found there in St. Joseph, Missouri in a day's in. Perhaps you'll find that challenge in your life too. But having said that, meantime, I have a guest in the studio. Do I? I believe I do. Yes, this is uh, Kristen. Yes. How you doing? I'm tired. How are you? I'm good and tired. 
And uh, we've been talking about borscht for quite some time now. And I want before you mentioned borscht, I yes. just wanted to Oops, say about the take the, back borscht before yes. the about the cheese cow and the cheese sculptures. Yes. I too have had a similar experience at you the, have. the Big E State Fair in Springfield, Massachusetts, about ten years ago. They had a, a cow made out of butter. Wow, was it like butter? It was like butter. All right. Wow. Was it a big cow, a little cow, medium-sized Life cow? Life-size. Life, whoa, mm, made life. of butter. It was very large. Wow. Because I've seen sort of a medium, small-sized cow with a boy reaching out in love to the cow or something like that. I don't know what the thing is made of butter, but not a life-size... It, it was a life-size butter cow, but you couldn't reach out to it. Oh, okay. Yeah, you might not want to either. <laughs> I definitely wanted no. to. <laughs> <laughs> there was actually a life-size plastic cow which had udders that you could milk. Um, it wasn't really milk, it was water, but there was a depiction where you could actually go down and work the udders. It, it, there's a lot at the Nebraska State Fair that you won't necessarily see in Ann Arbor. And that includes a 640-pound cheddar cheese sculpture. But uh, yes, we were talking. we've been talking about borscht for a while, and I've been wanting to share that with you, the listener. Because borscht is a cool summer drink, and it's still summer, and it's still kind of hot. It was pretty hot and humid today. It's true. It's kind of sticky. And uh, so you have some borscht thoughts. Do you have thoughts of borscht? You know, before we proceed any further, borscht can be a cool summer drink, although it can also be a hot soup. Because borscht is sort of a general term for a lot of different kinds of soup, one involving potatoes and one involving beets. Oh, okay. But the cool summer one that I've been telling you so much about and boring you so much about No, with, no, you haven't. Uh, Mike and the listeners, I'm <laughs> soon to bore, bore you as well as is uh, the the Polish, the cold summer Polish variety that I used to get on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Back in the day, I think that the restaurant I used to go to is closed, so it probably wouldn't hurt if I mentioned their name. Go for it. They were called Christina's, and they were on uh, Second Avenue, near near 14th Street, which is where the L train stops. So somewhere out around there. Polish restaurant with your usual Polish fare, and uh, including fried kielbasa and cold beet borscht with sour cream, mm. which is a wonderful thing on a Sunday morning. Wow. And so uh, I didn't know that there were different kinds. That borscht was a more general term. Yes. So it doesn't have to have beet in it. Um, it's either beets or it's potato. There's a potato, kind of potato stew. There's like a white borscht variety, which is made with potatoes. Oh, okay. So have you had that too? Yeah, but it's more like a potato stew. It's not like something that stands out in your mind, like borscht, the yeah. way that beet borscht does. So beet borscht has, let's we can just go over the basic ingredients of uh, a, a borscht. Beets. Beets. <laughs> yeah. What kind of spices? What sort of stuff in there? I mean, I'm not an expert. You're going beyond my my, my area of knowledge right now, but the has stuff in it. It, it has stuff in it. You can you can put uh, black pepper and salt and your usual things in it. Usually, the cold stuff served with a lot of dill, fresh dill, hmm. not a spice but an herb. Hmm. Well, actually, you know, it's I have this information of all things from the Boston Globe because I know you were from Boston. Oh yeah, I, I Af- am. You and you still, still are from yeah. you still are from Boston <laughs> and may continue to be from Boston even yes. even in the future. Yes, <laughs> in, in, unless something changes. 
Yes. Well, this is a t- talk about borscht and beets and such. And uh, bor- actually, borts. <laughs> yeah, we would like some borts, uh, some beets, actually, specifically. And this is a suggestion here. This really isn't anything to do with borscht specifically, I don't think. But when they're tender, you can slice up beets any way you like, add seasoning, and you have a summery side dish. You could add some fresh mint, grated orange rind, soft goat cheese, chunks of ripe avocado, or toasted walnuts. The roots that were once saved for cold borscht have become the darlings of the modern restaurant trade. Yeah, that sounds like sort of Western European or pan-European gourmet. Yeah. And there are multicolored beet salads available. And, oh, here we see at Blue Ribbon Barbecue in Arlington and West Newton. Did these ring a bell at all? Or? Um, I don't go to Newton. Oh, okay. Uh, the specials menu frequently offers a simple beet salad with canned red... Canned? Canned red beets. Canned oh. beets? Canned red beets, red onions, and parsley. And there you go. Um, I've, I've mentioned canned food. I'm sorry, everybody. But, you know, I actually used to... Is that like a blas- blasphemy on, I think on it your is. show? I, I, it could be. I mean, not that I won't eat it, but, you know, I'm just... just well, I can't vouch for the year-round availability of beets in the Boston area, but right. maybe they like the texture of the canned ones. There you go. They the texture of the can, actually, you those can grooves kind of, in it. Oh, sorry, yeah. go ahead. Oh, sorry, you can squirt it. I was just going to say you can squeeze them through your teeth. <laughs> yeah. And that sounds very appetizing. I mean, could you make a 640-pound canned beet sculpture? I don't know that you could because by then they're probably in pieces. And how would you adhere them to each other? That's a really good question. Could you come up with an industrialized beet adhesive, something like that? I I don't know. I'll get back to you on that. Okay, thanks. Uh, Yeah, we're talking about beets, and and I hope this is all very educational for you. We're also going to talk about the borscht belt in just a moment, speaking of borscht. Because borscht has life beyond the, the soup cup, or whatever you want to call it and stuff. But I do want to take just a moment to talk about the dangers of microwave popcorn and how it could kill you. We're not one to alarm anybody here or to overstate things, but popcorn, microwave popcorn can actually kill you. No way. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, it depends on the circumstances. But uh, having just been in Omaha, it, this struck me that ConAgra, one of my favorite cons, uh, ConAgra, based in Omaha, Nebraska... They're the nation's largest microwave popcorn maker. They say they will change the recipe for their Orville Redenbacher and Act 2 brands over the next year to remove a flavoring chemical linked to a lung ailment in popcorn plant workers. ConAgra spokeswoman Stephanie Childs says the Omaha-based company decided to remove diacetyl from its popcorn because of the risk the chemical presents to workers who handle large quantities. The chemical diacetyl has been linked to cases of a rare life-threatening disease often called popcorn lung. It's rare, but it's often called popcorn lung. It's often called that. So when it rarely occurs, it's often called most pop- of those times it rarely occurs, it's called Popcorn, popcorn lung. lung. That's right. That's very. I hadn't thought of it that way. Hmm. That's true. Conagra's announcement comes a week after another popcorn manufacturer, Weaver Popcorn of Indianapolis, said it would replace the butter flavoring ingredient because of a consumer because of consumer concern. They don't elaborate. The consumers are concerned that it tastes like butter. I don't know. <laughs> and they're going to replace it with another flavor flavoring <laughs> that probably tastes like butter. I don't know. We're back know. to butter again. We're back to butter again. It's funny how butter pretty much seems to be the, the grease that keeps our lives joined together. Maybe that's what you need to hold together the beet cow. That's the it. Soft beet and butter. A beet and butter cow. I'm thinking that would be good. So having said that, um, I think we need to exercise those thoughts with a little bit of James Brown. And uh, 
I just want to note that we all know Luciana Pavarotti has just died recently, in fact, early today. And I was rather startled to hear a bit of a duet between Luciana Pavarotti and James Brown doing It's a Man's 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 World. <laughs> and I wish that I could find it. I don't have it, but I will find it and I will play it. I don't think there's anything to do with food in it, but I'll make something up because you have to hear that. It's going to be totally inappropriate. Too. Completely inappropriate. And, and and that's why I liked it. But first of all, let's let's have James Brown talking about popcorn. Actually, the mother of all popcorn. This is Mother Popcorn. This is James Brown. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. This is WCBN. <laughs> popcorn look out for it it's dangerous if you happen to work if you happen to actually make hundreds of pounds of popcorn 
in in the small space that you would have to make them. Using a microwave, and you do this for 24 hours a day, you might get popcorn lung, and we're just here to warn you about that. This is our public service announcement. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and we were talking about borscht with Kristen just a moment ago. Thank you, Kristen. She's off to do other WCBN busy stuff. Kristen has the show Tight Pants on Fridays, and borscht is not just a soup. It's also a belt. You can't actually make a belt out of it. That would probably not smell too good, but the borscht belt... Uh, says here from Wikipedia, by the way, is an informal term for the summer resorts of the Catskill Mountains in Sullivan and Ulster counties in upstate New York, which were a popular holiday spot for New York Jews. The term Borschbelt can also refer to the Catskill region itself. In late August, each summer, the Catskills Institute holds a two-day conference examining Jewish culture in the Catskills. There's a lot of information here about the Borschbelt. The tradition of Borscht Belt entertainment started in the early 20th century with the indoor and outdoor theaters constructed on a 40-acre tract in Hunter, New York, by Yiddish theater star Boris Tomaszewski. Comedians who got their start or regularly performed in the Borscht Belt include Lenny Bruce, Mel Brooks, Shelley Berman, Milton Berle, Woody Allen, George Burns, Robert Klein, Jerry Lewis. It's a dizzying... Mickey Katz. Oh, my goodness, Mickey Katz. A dizzying... uh, Joan Rivers, you know. A dizzying array of... Array, even, of people. With changes in demographic and travel patterns caused partially by the widespread adoption of air conditioning that made the cities less unpleasant in the summer, the area has declined as a major vacation destination. Perhaps the single biggest factor was the decline of discrimination or restriction in the hotel and travel industry by the 1960s. Prior to that time, many resorts and hotels implicitly or otherwise did not welcome Jews. And so because of discrimination declining, unfortunately, well, very good that discrimination is declining, but the ripple effects are very interesting. The Borscht Belt is not as big a place as it was before, but it's very historical, very important, and it makes a lot of people happy to this day, and that is a beautiful thing. And Alan Sherman was a part of the Borscht Belt. I want to mention that because there's going to be a production of songs by Alan Sherman in West Bloomfield coming up. And there's going to be a production called Hella Try that now with lips in the right direction. Hello, Mudda, Hello, Fada, the Alan Sherman musical. And that's going to be coming up in West Bloomfield. And I'm going to read it to you, read it about it to you on a piece of paper which has escaped me. So, first, let's just hear some Alan Sherman. This is his take on Mambo Number no. 5 and possibly the Hungarian Rhapsody and a couple other things. He's created his own little musical borscht here. This is Hungarian Goulash Number no. 5. <laughs> Hungarian food They have a goulash Which is very good Or if you wish A dish that's Chinese Somewhere down in Columbia There's lobster Cantonese Enchiladas That's what people eat in Mexico Shish kebab is skewered In Armenia, you know Then there's Blubber The favorite Of the frigid Eskimo such delicious dishes, no matter where you go. Chicken cacciatore is Italian. Kangaroo souffle must be Australian. Mutton chops are definitely British. Chicken soup undoubtedly is Yiddish. Pumpernickel. 
Lithuania. Hansen Pfeffer comes from Pennsylvania. Wiener schnitzels, Austrian or German, kindly pass the sauerbrot and Hermann. Borscht is what they're eating in the Soviet. Wait, I think we've got some on the stove yet. <laughs> See the mau mouse underneath the jungle sky. Jolly mau mouse eating missionary pie. Frenchmen eat a lot of bouillabaisse there. Dutchmen eat a sauce called hollandaise there. Smorgasbord in Sweden is the winner. In America, it's TV dinner. <laughs> so there you have one food from each land. Each one delicious, each one simply grand. Mix them all up in one big mishmash. And what have you got? Hungarian goulash. Good heavens, that's Alan Sherman, and that is Hungarian goulash number five. And that is his composition based on decomposition of other compositions. And I did want to mention, as I was trying to say before, but the words wouldn't come out, that there is a musical called Hello Mudda, Hello Fada, the Alan Sherman musical. And it's going on at the Jewish Ensemble Theater in West Bloomfield. That's jettheater.org. You can look that up. It's running now through September 16th. And this is a musical put together by Alan Sherman fans in the 1990s. It traces the narrative of Sherman's life while employing, says here, his brand of old-fashioned, below-the-belt, crude, rude, borscht-belt comedy. Wow, you know, I didn't hear the crude, rude stuff on the records of, of Alan Sherman in the early 60s, but not, not that I was around in the early 60s, but I haven't heard the crude, rude stuff. But nonetheless, if, if, if you can take something like Hungarian goulash number no. 5 and put crude and rude on top of it, that sounds quite appealing. But that is Hello Mudda, Hello Fada. He wrote that, I mean, based on the original tune. The Alan Sherman Musical. And that is at the Jewish Ensemble Theater in West Bloomfield. And it runs now through September 16th. But there's a lot of other things going on, believe it or not. Now, we, uh, I, when I was on vacation in Omaha, there were, there were a series of coincidences, including the fact that I was in Omaha and suddenly ConAgra says that popcorn can kill you. Well, not exactly those words. I'm paraphrasing. But a friend of mine in Lincoln, a former Ann Arbor resident, has a bunch of honeybees, and she showed me them, and they looked pretty healthy and stuff. There's been concern about this thing called, okay, what's the word here? It's something like uh, colony, here is colony collapse disorder, honeybees disappearing. And it isn't necessarily that the honeybees would all die off and you'd find dead honeybees. Well, they would die. This is confusing. Okay, I'm looking at this in the Associated Press. Sometimes a bunch of honeybees would just disappear. All of a sudden, the hive would fall to half of its size, and maybe they wouldn't survive. Actually, it, is, it has been killing billions of honeybees, and some scientists are now saying that a virus could be a part of it, a virus that is previously unknown in the United States. The scientists report using a novel genetic technique and old-fashioned statistics identified Israeli acute paralysis virus as the latest potential culprit in the widespread death of worker bees. And experts stress that parasitic mites and pesticides and poor nutrition have all remained on the lineup of suspects 
on colony collapse disorder. And the stress of travel, we've all been through that, bees dealing with that, that is also an issue. Beekeepers shuffle bees around the nation throughout the year so they can pollinate crops as they come into bloom. The newfound virus may prove to have added nothing more than insult to the injuries bees already suffer, according to several experts unconnected to the study. And so so we know a little bit more now about the colony collapse disorder. It may be something called the Israeli acute paralysis virus that is leading to the, the deaths of those honeybees. And when we find out more about that, we'll let you know about that here on Pandora's Lunchbox. I also want to let you know, um, if, you've just, if you're hearing the show for the first time, this is a show about food, and we want to talk to you about some of the food-oriented things going on around town. We mentioned, we mentioned Alan Sherman's musical going on, the Alan Sherman musical. He has passed away himself, but his spirit lives on. But there are also other groups you can join to help create a healthier area, a healthier world, a healthier food climate for everybody. Food Gatherers is a group that I've had on the show a number of times, a very good group based in Washtenaw County, based in Ann Arbor. They have large depictions of carrots at their doorway on one carrot way in Ann Arbor. And, you know, if they're big carrots, then it has to be good. They rescue about 3 million pounds of food each year, and they're looking for support. And I can give you a little information on that in just a minute. Not to mention a group called Growing Hope, which is celebrating harvest season with something called Tour de Fresh. And they're going to give you an opportunity to see the Ypsilanti Food System Tour. This is something that starts September 18th at 5.30 p.m. rather, and ends at 8 p.m. You can find out about that by looking up growinghope.net, growinghope.net, and there's other stuff that I'm going to be sharing with you over the last few weeks. Now, Arwolf is getting ready to help us to face the music, but Arwolf, uh, can you take a second to tell us about this Alan Sherman al- album cover called my son, the nut, and and what it means to you. Can you share that with us? Hi, hi. hi. Uh, well, yeah. It's it just so happens that this is a record that my family had in the household when I was a kid growing up in the '60s. So it came out. When did it come out? 1964, I think, something like that. 62. 60. Oh, it came out in 62. 63. Wait, it's 63. very faded. It's, 63. Yeah. Yes. That and Jack Ruby at 1963. Yeah, so I was six years old when this record showed up in the in the house, and and it was a, a marvelous record to that and Shirley Temple. You know, oh yeah, um, I had a Shirley Temple record, still do. Anyway, I used to just sit and stare at this album cover. He's got a, his head protruding from a of, of a seemingly endless. Uh, plateau of different kinds of hard-shelled nuts yeah and and it's uh it was the kind of album cover staring that i was to do with millions of other young people in the years to come but i think that was identified that as the first album cover i ever got lost while (laughs) staring at at the age of six if you could look up my son the nut by alan sherman he has a very happy face, but there's nothing else but his face. It's a disembodied face, but he's very much alive, surrounded by nuts, and that th- says something, I think. I think they probably had a piece of plywood with a hole in it, and he stuck his head up, and then they just packed all these um, these these pecans and walnuts and Brazil nuts and, and filberts or hazelnuts and almonds ah. so all around him. And um, here's, it's a wonderful record. It is, and, and then the cover is beautiful. It's very nutsy, and it says here, sings nutty things, this time with strings. On the back it says, cover photo by Sid Avery, Ooh. 700 pounds of extra fancy mixed nuts, courtesy of Los Angeles Nuthouse. Wow, I didn't know that. The Los Angeles Nuthouse. I, I, I never you know, read that. I was too young to understand that. I just looked at the picture. 
Yeah. Well, that's Alan Sherman, and that's our wolf. Now we are six. Now yes. we are six. Yes. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike for at least as long as that. And coming up in a moment, our wolf will help you to face the music. Then at eight, it's some great free form. Keep tuning into WCBN. You can't go wrong. And I want to apologize if any of this has been educational, but I will try harder next week to actually be truly educational. In the meantime, we want to take a moment to, as everybody else is doing, pay tribute to Luciano Pavarotti, who has died. And I'm going to do this by playing some music by a fellow who was once called the Pavarotti of the Plains, Mr. Don Walser. And Luciano Pavarotti himself has duetted with some strange folks, everyone from James Brown to Brian Adams to Sting. And, well, now I think probably up wherever it is they are, maybe in the Los Angeles nuthouse, that he can duet finally with Don Walser, the man who could yodel like there was no tomorrow and there is no tomorrow. So he can yodel. And we're going to hear something from his album Down at the Skyview Drive-In. I hope there's some yodeling in here. I truly do. But the song's title is good enough, The Devil's Great Grandson. We're going to go out with Don Walser, and then you will be able to face the music with Arwolf, and it won't be so bad in just a moment. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Thank you for tuning in. Post eyeball paint was a devil's saint and his eyes was fiery red. Many a men tried to ride this horse and all of them are dead. Now I won't brag but I wrote this snag till his blood began to boil. Then I hit the ground and I ate three pounds of good old Texas soil Singing hi-ho, lad, don't you make me mad I'm the devil's great-grandson And to do my best to tame the West With my great big 44 gun his neck for the jolt he gave my pride. I swung the noose on that old cayuse and once more took a ride. Now he turned around and soon I found his tail where his head should be. So I says, says I, perhaps he's shy or he just don't care for me. Singing hi-ho, lad, don't you make me mad, I'm the devil's great-grandson. And I do my best to tame the West with my great big 44 gun.
If you want it to be exactly 7 o'clock, you're about a minute and a half late. This is WCBN and FM Ann Arbor, 88.3 megahertz. Welcome to Face the Music. Let's proceed. This is our national anthem. It's, uh, it's composed by Franz Josef Haydn, Trevor Pinnock with the English... Uh, concert, meaning a concerted effort from a whole bunch of folks, especially that handsome bloke with the trumpet.